Hey, you've made it to Spryspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Spryspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. To make it on my own Love me when you can But know when to let go I water over sand The moon she pulls me Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spryspace podcast. I'm Lacey, and today, Chad and I are continuing our month of June focused entirely on musicians. So today, we've got Krista Herring with us, and Krista's an intuitive and soulful songwriter. I love the use of of those words and how we're describing how you're writing songs. Um, She believes deeply in the power of music to transform and heal. Her songs are soulful prose set to the beat of an acoustic guitar and delivered by powerful and captivating vocals does it feel i bet it feels good to have those words (laughs) said back to you um krista's based out of the pacific northwest and has won the award for portland's best female artist her new album like water came out last month and i've been really enjoying listening to it so krista welcome to the show how are you doing thank you wonderful it feels really good to be we're just past a, a month of release of the new album. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about it, but I always like to open my favorite opening question is, you know, we're so focused on social media for good over here. And sometimes the simplest social media for good is just something that sparks joy. So tell me a piece of social media content that you've seen in the last little while that brought you joy. That's a little bit of a funny question for me because two things come to mind. One is It's interesting that the first thing that I, when I think of social media, I really don't think about the word joy. Mm. So that's really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of other experiences such as validation or empowerment or relating, but not often joy. But perhaps I would say that I think we'd have to go with like, you know, animal videos or something. Mm -hmm. I I like those. I like the videos where they surprise somebody about about something Mm -hmm. or, you know, right. Something relatable, I think, you know, or of course, babies and animals make us feel, is it joy? Like, yes. Animal videos is always a a great, you could probably say that with no context and I'd be like, oh yes, animal videos, the joy. Yeah. Yeah, that's our go to at our house when we can't find something to watch. It's like already too late to watch anything that's long, you know, like an hour long or something like that. But we just need to get work off our minds or something. Go to the animal videos Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and just feel a little bit better. Exactly. I don't do much TikTok, but um, I discovered some of those are funny. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Of course, you could just keep going forever and it's sort of scary in terms of being a little bit of like a a a hole that you go down but Mm -hmm. but i i like those ones where people um lip sync like older people lip sync to like little kids right saying oh yeah that's cute but are also Mm -hmm. like in some ways like yeah like wish you could say stuff like that (laughs) right 
Um, you, I, I almost feel like I have to, I, I never ask myself this question and all of a sudden I'm inspired to share what brought me joy. So I'm going to just go ahead and do it. So there's, um, an account it's fairly new and it's called baby OP. Okay. OP is O P I E. And it's a young indigenous f- boy, maybe three years old, four years old. And he does, um, he goes to all of these big, uh, they're even like competitions with his dad where he drums and sings and he will like lead. It's like a kind of like a callback system that they do. Like you, one person will make the sounds and then the rest of the group will join in and do the same sound. And like, I watched all the videos that he had. He's only had his account for a few months, but I watched every video and just seeing the energy coming out of this little person, especially when he would, he would sing something. And then the group, the whole group would join in like what happened to the energy in his body was just astounding um and i i i was totally so much joy large large joy watching that so look up baby opie you would you would enjoy it very much yes i will look up that i got like chills as you described that which communicates something to me which yeah I'm glad it it really inspired me a lot too. So I want to talk a little bit first about um, your album that just came out. So uh, I spent some time over the last week listening to it and kind of digging into it a little bit. Um, It's called Like Water. Tell me about the album and what it took to uh, bring it to life over the last year. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, the album is uh, a little bit more of a a concept album, a start to finish it's a story um, and it's very much about healing (laughs) and exploring the themes uh, which I explored just in my own life um, of of codependency and and healing from that and the revelations um, that come from that so it's very water themed as as the name there's just a lot of there's a lot of flow in it and there's a lot of um, yeah, just water theme. Gosh, it you know, it's just such a huge piece of me, this album, um, bringing it through. Uh, I have many, 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 many other songs that I wanted to record. I, you know, could have done a few albums, but this, this, uh, this album came through and um, it was, it just felt in, like important that it come through first. Like this mm. needs to come through this healing needs to happen and and usually i'm intuitive about that stuff so thematically while it was present in my life i also find that certain themes are also present within the world you know just like as above so below and um the micro and the macro as within so without yes all Mm -hmm. those things yeah like that we're just so connected and so i have found that what is most present for me, tends to be the thing that also has the most medicine as well for the world at the current time. So uh, yeah, I just knew I needed to get that out. And even if just for my own healing of, um, of this, of one of the most important relationships of my life and the release and letting go of something so... <sighs> so big yeah that uh that's that's what it's about i found that that you know that just needed to happen and so we went into the studio um a few days before the fires hit in last summer 
Yeah. So just the beginning of September. Yeah, actually, day that I left the studio, I was there for a few days, um, stayed with uh, down in, in Turner, south of Salem, uh, with my uh, at my producer Josh's house with his sweet family. And that was really lovely. And, and that's how we like to do it just dive right in like we mm-hmm. go in there and there's several days and we, we push it's like birthing. Mm-hmm. Really for me like birthing a baby it's like okay we we birth the songs we have this and come in with a concept intuitively i i needed to i knew i needed to record them backwards so so on the album they're start to finish like first to last in the order that they were written but i knew that for some reason that i needed to come in and record them the last to the first interesting wow. is that a different is that abnormal for your recording style Yes, something about this particular album, it it had, there was more vision with it. It guided me in a way more than anything else I've done. I, I was also more involved with this than anything else. I co-produced this album, so it's the first one that I've done that with. And, uh, you know, I'm at a stage in my life, in my career, where I'm clear about what it is I want and what I don't want. And so it felt really good to be stepping into myself and into really being visible and fully bringing my presence in and um, trusting my my guidance and my intuition as we create this. So 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 there was a lot of um, growing pains around that as well. But um, yeah, we recorded anyhow from last to first and um and it came out perfect it was like the last one we decided to do live and it came through really almost effortlessly yeah so we did like a live one take there's a video actually that i posted um on my page that i just happened to capture with my phone video camera um that whole take and normally i don't do that and if, of all the things that i captured that was it it was the take so i i posted that and and that got a lot of um response which that felt really good and speaking of bringing joy that brought me joy <laughs> for that to be so well received yeah and then i i found that as we got closer um to the first song in recording, it got a little more difficult. It was really interesting. So those ones were a little more challenging and there was more to push through there as is is common during this process. Um, I keep just relating it since you brought it up like birth, I keep relating it to birth and I'm like, yes, exactly like that process. You know, as you, as you push through, it gets harder and harder there. And then, <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah, I know you two both have two kids, so you're both know exactly you're on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. So. I also, um, what kind of inspired me in this too is I don't know if you read a lot of Elizabeth Gilbert, but I love I love some good I love me some good Elizabeth Gilbert. And one of my favorite books of hers is called Big Magic. And she talks in there about the concept of ideas being things that are uh, alive and that find you and use you as a conduit to come into the world. And that sounded a lot like what you're saying with this album being something that. It, almost like it had its own vision and kind of guided you through. And, you know, you're the person who gave life to that vision and that 
idea. And so it makes sense that you would want to have a little bit more control over this um, because you knew you were intimate with the idea and the concept and the healing that you were trying to bring with this. Um, I'm I'm following very well. I I feel very inspired by the way that you're communicating about bringing something that's so big like this, like an album that takes so much time and effort and work and how you worked in coordination with the idea and the vision to to bring it to life. I also love the concept of it being water. You know, I, in my, in my own life, I've had such both physical and, um, metaphorical water being something that's healing, you know, the, the healing of being in water, of hearing water, uh, of the metaphor and concept of water. Um, how early did you title how early was the concept of water part of the idea and album well interestingly the first song is the title track and that obviously was the first song ever written which is like water yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm um yeah Uh, you know so much of it just felt right it just came through something about this relationship which this whole album is about there was a lot yeah there was a lot about water with us so yeah just from the beginning it was very very interesting and actually the medicine of the album for me is the energy of water the energy of flow the energy of surrender the energy of just letting go just you know continuing to move forward into um that ocean of of who we are and connection to all Do you have a favorite place in the Pacific Northwest, a favorite water place? Ooh. (laughs) Gosh, I I love them all. I see on social media, Krista is always out at the the rivers and the lakes and almost every other post is some additional beautiful place that she's found so that is a tough question there which one is your favorite right right Uh, recently since i've been back in portland uh it's been a lot of going out to the gorge and in hood river and the columbia oh yeah Um, yeah uh when i lived in bend um there's so many beautiful lakes so we were always going to the water you know up there in the desert and that's where I birthed this album most of it some of it was in Austin but um Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so gosh Elk Lake up there oh there's just so many I was just too many the day before Mm -hmm. I'm always getting to water where I live in Portland right now is right where the Clackamas and the Willamette meet so I'm at the corner of two rivers. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. You, wow, you must be very near me. I'm, I'm. That's right where I am. I'm, I'm in Oak Grove and uh, uh, Jennings Lodge and and uh, Oatfield. I'm up on Oatfield Road. So yeah, you're probably very, very near where I am. Oh yes, I am. We we go to Clackamat Park all the time, and that's right where the two probably rivers come. Probably walk to your house after this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Say where I am because I don't want it on the podcast. (laughs) Right. That's why I I wasn't even. Yeah, I I was like, wait a minute. I need to just give generalized things here. But yeah, (laughs) we'll all have stalkers right after this. Watch out! Watch out, Chad. <laughs> one of my favorites is one of my favorites is Pool of the Winds. Um, it's on Hamilton Mountain at Beacon Rock State Park, and it's a a little waterfall that comes down, and, but it's mostly enclosed. And so there's like just a um, you know a few feet wide sliver where the air can escape, which is why it's called Pool of the Winds. And so you can like 
I mean, I kind of sneak under the bars because rules, um, but you know, I'll kind of sneak under the bars and, and feel that wind on my face and like just it's so interesting how the water can be cleansing it can be soft it can flow but it can also create this massive power you know and that power is part of what's necessary for healing and for moving past something we can we can flow along the process all we want but sometimes it takes that that power of water too to actually move us through to a, a new stage and that that second song on my album is called tidal wave speaking the of power of water <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah when you're a singer songwriter um the only way you can really have a career in this right is if you've built an audience of some sort and it gosh the last 18 months or so has been pretty interesting so is your audience right now primarily due to pandemic online um and even when it's not pandemic it is your audience online? Are you connecting quite a bit with your audience and your fans online? Yes, there's two parts to that question. Um, for sure, post-pandemic, um, the audience is online. But I think in general, we've kind of moved to that place. Now, I wouldn't necessarily be referring to live music, you know, but this is where people are now. Well, especially now, you know, maybe people are starting to move back into the world at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But online is, you know, where where most of us go, even if it's here or there or, or whatever. And, you know, that's where the music is. Our music platforms are online, you know, Spotify is a social media, actually, and um, music can spread through through that. You see, oh, so-and-so is listening to this. I'm going to check that out, right? So that's something that's good about that and that has changed our industry in a very big way. Um, there are two ways to look at it, though. One is that people don't really pay for music anymore, um, but the other is that people can discover you and you can you can reach a wider audience and there's more potential there. Um, so as far as, um, for me personally, uh, the audience is definitely online. I haven't yet ventured out into performing again. And mostly it's not that I can't, I've done this for many, many years. <laughs> and honestly, I started taking a little bit of a break from that before maybe you know certainly the last few years even before the pandemic because i think we all go through stages i spent a lot of years performing out and um maybe some of the same gigs or um, experiences weren't serving me in the same way and um maybe i was overplaying and i became a little more internal i would say that i'm what you'd call an introverted extrovert Mm -hmm. or something or is it extra I don't know which one one or the one ever um but I just found you know I needed to go through my own process and my own um release of of what used to be you know a certain sort of death of the dream of of the way we thought things were going to show up and look I can let me let me keep moving from there then so as you have kind of grown this online audience where you know especially even before pandemic you're stepping away from some of your live shows a bit more as you um, have grown and connected a bit more with your online audience what's that like having kind of this constant access to your fans and your fans having more constant access to you how has that relationship been as you've started to build more of a following online 
Well, it is really interesting. I mean, it, ha- it comes with a built-in barrier because I can choose not to get on social media or if I'm feeling internal, I can choose not to post. And to be honest, I always post from the place of when the energy feels right and good, you know? Like I'm not going to make a I'm not going to pretend to be happy and make a positive post if I'm feeling not so. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like wherever I'm at and I find that works best. You know, it's not the same as connecting with your audience in person mm-hmm. or connecting with people. I love people and then I also need to be away from them. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. So, um, you know, social media is is different. It's a very it's very necessary for us now, you know, in in promoting the music or staying connected to our people and being relevant, you know, but sometimes, sometimes it takes a lot. Sometimes it, you know, takes a little bit from us as well that it's like, ugh, content. That's what I'm wondering is like these boundaries you've been able to build for yourself of only posting from a place of, of openness and really wanting to share, you know, where, did you have to learn that because, you know, you went too far in one direction or the other, or has that just been a pretty easy process for you to, to make those boundaries with yourself and your followers? Um, I did need to learn that in my own ways. You know, I'm constantly learning on social media for a lot of reasons because of the algorithms changing and all those things. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, um, what is appropriate and not appropriate to share, you know, in a lot of ways, I share the core of who I am, but I might not share certain opinions. I might not delve into certain topics that are quite divisive in this time. And not because I don't think that some of those are important, but it's not my, it's not my in particular, it's not my path. Um, And I don't want to, I don't want whatever I do to further stoke division. Um, That Mm. is a tricky, that's a tricky idea because I also think that part of social media being used for good is to use your voice and to speak truth and I do think that on certain platforms there's a lot of censorship and I don't think that that is healthy again I you know I learned the hard way about not broaching certain topics on now let's just say my personal page right okay Mm -hmm. so now my personal page on let's say Facebook it's hardly personal anymore Mm -hmm. now for me honestly everything is used for the music, for the public persona, for, you know, because there has to be that boundary, Mm -hmm. you know, it used to be so easy for us to just, um, think we only see a certain, a few people. So we just think we're communicating to those people or we have no idea who's seeing our posts and we Mm -hmm. just, (laughs) you know, we might say, say some things and then, you know, we triggered something or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I didn't even know that person was watching you know? <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure how all that works or you know why those people show up out of nowhere but my point is is that I I've learned to listen to how it, it feels to check in about how it feels in my body to engage in certain ways on social media do you also find yourself um using the feedback that you're getting to kind of create the direction for um how you'll post in the future as well yes absolutely I mean but I must say that that's annoying in some cases. So if I take Facebook, for example, you know, I know for, just for example, because Facebook's <laughs> the most toxic, but let's just, for example, let's just use that one. Okay. But you know, I, 
if I post, um, so Facebook's a tough because of the algorithm. So if I post the link, um, not a lot of people are going to see it. It's just going to be suppressed, an external link. So uh, if I post the link to my new album or a link to Spotify or whatever, I know that only a handful of people are going to see that. So that might only get a few likes. Now, if I post a selfie instead, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, even better if I'm in the river, at the river in a bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Just for example. Just for Just example. For example. Yeah. <laughs> Water. Um, <laughs> and then in there, I talk about, okay, the new album is released, da, 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 da. And then I have to, you know, I've learned to say, okay, the link is in the comments. Mm -hmm. So that's a way to, to, hack, to hack it. <laughs> the system a little bit but yes you know unfortunately whether it's you know skewed by facebook or whether it's just you know what people do on facebook um yeah i've learned to make certain posts um i do know people want to see you hence facebook right <laughs> uh, they want to see you they respond better to my live video um performance than some other things right Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, because you really want to be out there visible. I imagine and Chad, I know I just keep talking. So whenever you want to interrupt me, you can interrupt me and ask any question okay. you have. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine as an artist and someone who is as, you know, intuitive and mindful of your own, um, you know, your own body talking to yourself. Um, I know for me, sometimes it can be a hard balance between uh looking at the algorithms and the feedback that I'm getting and showing up authentically. And so how, do you have any, any tricks or strategies that you use to help you to kind of balance that, that idea of really communicating as yourself and authentic and vulnerably while still trying to uh, stay in line with what is going to help with the algorithms and, or what you're getting more engagement from, et cetera. It actually works hand in hand a little bit in terms of your your vulnerability and the response to people because they do respond best to those vulnerable places. And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I might <laughs> sit down and write um, and then think, you know, just allow whatever comes through to come through much in the same way of songwriting. It's just, it's kind of like a channeling just, mm -hmm. and then I just let it come through. And then I think the whole time, like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna wanna post this, but I'll just keep writing, just let it become a complete thought. And then, um, and sharing some of the stories, like for example, some of the stories behind the songs, which I have shared here and there um, on social media. And some of them are very personal, right? Of course, because this whole, whole album is very personal. So some of the stories behind it are very personal. So without, you know, um, stating names or things like that, I, I do share my experience. Um, my heartbreak. And sometimes I think, oh, I don't think I should post this. And I might literally have to send it to a friend or two and be like, should I post this? Like, is this TMI? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and, and they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, okay. Cause I feel, cause those are usually the times I feel really nervous about it. I could post whatever normally, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to post this. <laughs> who are, who are the people you choose to give that you know, because I think having collaborators like that is a really good tactic for knowing what is. Um, I know you you listened to our social media for good panel from last month. And so one of the things talked about and it was strategic vulnerability. Yeah. So the idea of, um, 
you know, is what I'm posting going, is it just serving me because it feels good to get it off my chest or is it serving my community? But the point I was trying to ask is how do you choose who these collaborators are who help you to decide whether this is strategically vulnerable or TMI? Uh, those are usually, <laughs> um, I have right now two people that I go to and they're, um, powerful women in my life. One is a mentor, a longtime mentor who has a spiritual mentor and somebody who has, um, taught me a lot and, and continues to, to help me with the process that we, we are all going through of letting go and releasing a lot of these old patterns and stories and returning to ourselves. So, so, um, yeah, that friend, Jolie Nicole, she's somebody that I go to. And actually I often go, um, we'll, we'll send it to my daughter. I have a, my older daughter is 22 years old and she is also, um, a lovely talented singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes and we're very close. I had her when I was 18. So, and I, I, I trust her seeing and knowing as well. So. Um, I was going to add to the, to the discussion about the types of content people put out and where you're the most vulnerable stuff usually gets the best response. And that's, that's songwriting in general. I think um, there's a lot to do with storytelling, but there's a, it's a lot to do with accessing this emotional vulnerability that people can relate to. That's what's been really strange about social media as it has evolved. Like when we, we were putting out albums, it was kind of a, a package. It was a concept. Like you're saying, maybe this newest album is uh, conceptual where um, from start to finish, there's a story line and then social media came along and everything is in in snackable bits you know and so there's this dilemma of do you do you work really really hard on putting out that thing that you've polished over and over and over and over again to to you know until you're ready and that's a good thing but there's something to be said about putting out little bits of stuff that are closer to the original intent than a polished piece you know what i mean and so i think over the over the years it's been it's been really interesting for people like us uh, artists and uh, musicians trying to release our content and and have it still be digested by the intended audience but also staying close to the roots of of what you intended in the first place which could be very conceptual and it could be huge i mean i know my stuff is usually just like this massive idea and I, I literally have to whittle things apart and take well this is the best of this and this is the best of this and even then it seems like too much you know and and uh, so I think it's really interesting yeah it's created whole new strategies for us it's why I like you talking about how some of the content that you put out over social media is like little bits of of peaks into um, the story behind songs, right? And even Where, something that you didn't intend. You said, you know, you just set your phone up for that one thing. You had no idea what, that that was going to be the one. That's cool. That's that's magical, you know? Yeah, I learned. And at, speaking of, I learned over the course of, well, I released, I released a few singles starting this winter, like one a month and then release the full album. But the, during the course of uh, releasing so often, which is a lot of work, um, mm -hmm. it's a lot every single mm -hmm. month, <laughs> they get to the finish line and you're like, I don't know if I can do it. But um, <laughs> I learned kind of what works and what doesn't, what people respond to the, 
the most. And, you know, when you release your baby, when you birth your baby, you want to give it the best chance, right? Mm -hmm. So you want people to, to connect that you don't want them to just keep scrolling through like, Oh, well, cool. Krista released another thing. Cool. I'll check it out later. And they do that a lot. But if you have a few words on there or a lot of words Mm -hmm. in my case, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just, you know, pulling them in and, and telling them your, um, telling them the story and where it came from and and how vulnerable it is and and powerful for you, then they're more likely to get pulled in. And I have found it's almost a bit of a trade. There was a point where I was a little resentful to have to do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because it's like, oh, nothing's private anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. In the end, I think that is the power of social media is our showing up in vulnerability and full presence and sharing with one another so that we can feel connected so that we don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where a lot of healing comes from. Absolutely. And one thing I, I want to clarify too is for listeners is, you know, vulnerability doesn't mean it doesn't mean weakness, right? It doesn't mean, you know, we're sharing this sad story or we're sharing vulnerability really means what is it more like openness you know it's it's more like transparency and openness you think transparency is a is a better word for it yes that was the word that came to me and then you said it so that's why almost like like water (laughs) almost like water (laughs) you can see through water it's transparent (laughs) (laughs) oh man so so you went ahead and throughout this throughout this pandemic then you've been releasing singles have you also done any sort of like live streams or 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 live stream concerts did you do anything like that um you know what um i am one of maybe the few i don't know i don't know how many people are but that have chosen not to do that i i definitely you know when i i have written new songs and then i will um record them you know maybe uh put little videos out just to um share that but i i don't know what it is i'm not like a super big fan of the live on the video thing Um, it's, it feels so different for me. Like what I love about performing and, and I'm not sure by the way that I love it as much as I used to love it. Right. So Mm. I'm a little more focused on the end of, um, the songwriting and the creation and and the publishing and licensing, you know, getting Mm -hmm. the music out there, the music for the quiet moments, but I am not the biggest performer anymore, mainly because my music is sort of created for the quiet moments mm. and so the right the right shows um are can be great um but you know some of these other gigs that we've been doing for years right the gigs we did all in our 20s and you know <laughs> um, some, we don't sometimes we don't you know that's just those are just draining and distracting and you know Right. I think you're talking about touring is what you're talking about. <laughs> like we, we get we get old and then we think that touring isn't as cool as we we used to think it was because it's just <laughs> being on the road and eating bad food and never sleeping in the same place and all that stuff. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, my God, I love sleep so much. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I would rather just be in my own bed. <laughs> like, I love to go to bed at 10, you guys. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the weirdest musician. I'm like, I go to bed early and I get up early and I'm on time to places. And <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. 
so it's the lifestyle that I that I no longer love that that performing lifestyle. But that being said, you know, um, so I guess a lot of the us gave that up for a while, and and maybe that was a really healthy thing, right? To kind of mm. get back to to reset to reset ourselves, reset our systems in a way, and feel like oh. Who am I without that? What does this look like? What does this feel like when my nervous system is a little more regulated? Well, it's interesting that you communicate that over time for yourself, you've kind of gone a little bit more introspective and and you describe your music as something for the quiet moments. And so it makes perfect sense that you wouldn't you feel the most fulfilled really when you were recording that in the studio in your on your own and like that more mimics how people would be ingesting that content too, right? Is this one-on-one powerful moment between the song and your thoughts and your heart and your soul. And, and that would be very difficult to translate to a live stream or a live performance in front of a large group of people. It's harder for us to introspect and, and to feel those feelings that can come in a quiet moment. Um, that, that's so true. I, I want to take this opportunity to just tell the backstory a, a little bit about how Krista and I met. Uh, when I first moved to Portland, and it was like 2006 or 2007 or right around there, and I, I was a performing songwriter and had I decided to start a family and stay home and, and I had a, my first baby. I said, I won't go out and tour for one year, okay? That was my, that was my plan. And, and then I kind of just stopped touring. And uh, started raising a family and so I was playing music around Portland and trying to find other musicians to play with and I met Krista I think through these um things that were called singer-songwriter soirees and it was put together by our friend uh, Robin Jackson and they were always held in somebody's house and it was a group of anywhere from you know 20 to 75 people that would show up And it was just like a songwriter in the round where each person would get a chance to just play an acoustic guitar or acoustic instrument. Some people played piano, but everybody was was performing their own original songs. And it was just that intimacy that was just thrilling for all of us. And uh, so that's uh, I. Krista and I were at so many of those and they were just, I miss them. They're probably still going on too, I think. Do you know, is Robin still doing those? I think he is. I recently saw posts, they're outdoors. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. And they're up to like 500 of them by now or something, but... uh, but it, that's that's the the performing intimately with people and exchanging that energy is something that's really hard to recreate in a, in a live stream. So yeah, yeah, and and performing on stage, I actually I actually always loved being on stage in the right Me setting, too. right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, to be able to um, set the tone of the energy of the room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and bring, and so I do, I do love that. There are certain gigs that I no longer want to do, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to go be dinnertainment and I'm not going to go play in the bar or, you know. Did you say dinnertainment? I've never heard that <laughs> phrase before. I like it. <laughs> oh, we've all done it. You know, those are probably the ones that pay the most money, you know, yeah, and absolutely. then the ones you love the most, maybe they don't pay at all. You know? mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> um, so I, you know, leaving that behind, but I did, I did love the stage at one point. And so not to say that I won't want to do that again, but I am allowing now that I've really tuned into my body and I learned to listen to my body and my, um, feelings and response around things. And I listen 
you know, to when I feel inspired to do something. So at this time, <laughs> I'm not yet feeling inspired to do live performing. And I never really felt inspired to do any live streams just because yeah. that's very different, right? Than mm -hmm. seeing people in the audience or um, feeling their energy in the room. Well, I got a big backyard. We're going to have to invite you over. I hear you live close by. <laughs> 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 and we'll just play acoustic guitars in the back. Oh, perfect. Well, I, as we're, I can totally do that. Okay, okay. As we're getting close to the time here, I want to um, just move to my last question that I ask everybody because, you know, it's important that we're so mindful of the content that we're putting out on social media and the content that we're taking into social media. But I think it's also important that we openly discuss our own relationships to social media. How, like, how, how are we doing, you know, when you're alone in the dark scrolling by yourself? Are you... How you doing, <laughs> you know? So from your perspective, Krista, how's your relationship to social media? And I'm going to give you some structure. So on a scale of one to 10, with one being like, it's pretty unhealthy and you should probably, I'll refer you to a social media counselor right now. And and 10 being, you could put on a social media mental health course today. Uh, where would you rate yourself on how your relationship is going with social media? I think I would rate myself pretty high. Um, I'll just, you know, give a little leeway from like eight to 10 and only because, you know, there's still a tendency sometimes for me, like all of us, like to do comparisons. Mm. That's mm. not helpful for me. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I don't do a whole lot of scrolling. I like to look at beautiful nature pictures or, you know, whatever it might be. I'll still do the first thing in the morning and the last thing, you know, at night, but for the most part, um, I try to give myself balance away from the screen. I try to be outside as much as possible. So unless it's really hot, like the last <laughs> couple of days, <laughs> then I hide inside and I don't love that. But but otherwise, I feel like my relationship to it is pretty healthy. Um, yeah, I've just learned my boundaries with it. <laughs> that's awesome i love to hear it i'll be um I'll, I'll set up your social media mental health course you can start next week and you can teach it to all of the people who are a four okay <laughs> you need to find new ways to make money now <laughs> well krista thank you so much for for your time and for giving us your your presence and your energy here for for the last hour or so um anybody who wants to follow krista and hear a little bit more about what she's doing and uh, delve into her album like water um you can find her on facebook just searching krista and did i pronounce it right is it herring okay so krista herring on facebook on instagram on spotify um anywhere else you want to point them to oh i think that's great facebook instagram spotify um you can download on my Bandcamp. um it's really easy honestly you know all you need is my name you can just search that and things will come up okay well, thank you. We appreciate your time so much, Chad. Thank you so much for bringing Krista to us. Yes. Thanks and for having me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And those of you listening, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, drive, whatever you're doing. We hope that you always keep learning. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> This Spry Space podcast is produced by Spry Social Media Marketing, digital marketing agility. Edited by Chad Hinman and executive produced by Lacey Fott. <laughs>